they want to play a more active role. They're a lot more hands-on. And, you know, there's, you know, I have clients that are not of that generation that say, look, I have better things to do with my time and I trust you and I don't want to touch it. Just let me know what I need to do. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. COVID has certainly significantly impacted all aspects of our lives, particularly from a financial perspective. Doug Feller, a principal with Investment Partners, has watched the COVID fallout closely with regard to the changes to financial planning habits. Today, he's going to share his observations and give us some tips to help get us back on track. Welcome back to Unsuitable, Doug. Good to be here, Doug. It's been a while. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always intrigued by this topic. You know, in in fact, we were chatting a little bit pre session here about the kind of the emotional and, and psychological impact to you know folks investment retirement planning philosophies um i know there was significant impact to that obviously back in the great recession i'm i'm curious to see what you know what you've experienced over the last year as we've gone through this uh this covid pandemic yeah i mean covid uh turned everybody's lives upside down and uh you know really jacked with their psyche in a lot of ways you know and as as a financial planner you know we we talk about this all the time about the value of it. Mm-hmm. And um, just what I've noticed in my career is when, when things are going well and when things are easy and when markets are cooperative and the economy is healthy and, and everybody has good income, uh, it's easy to really just punt on really diving down and, and, and creating a financial plan. Mm. And uh, it's what we've just observed. And then, you know, once every 10 years or so, we come into something like we came into last year and uh, everybody gets really dialed in. And so I've seen a renewed interest and more than interest, a renewed focus on making sure that clients' financial resources, as they come to us, that uh, that they're ready for whatever whatever financial goals they have. And so, you know, I would just say generally that um, you know my observation is those that walked into 2020 haven't done the work fared much better um, because you know we were able to recall um, all the goals that we had and recall the plan and demonstrate that. Um, in time, and it was a quick recovery. You know, we can talk about that, but right. uh, but but that um, you know the long term hadn't changed, and so it, you know it's it's it behavior tends to want to focus on the the immediate near term pain, and so we spent a lot of last year just recalling uh, you know the long term outcomes that we're pursuing, and so for those that walked into to last year with that, I would say that they fared very well, um, and our conversations were were relatively normal. Um, for those that didn't, and that doesn't mean they weren't financially healthy. Sure. They just didn't have a grasp on how what was happening affected them. 
Mm. And so, you know, so that's what I mean by the renewed interest. You know, there was much more focus on, okay, we really need to get down and put the screws to, to our financial situation and make sure that either A, we're okay, um, and B, that nothing has really been derailed in the long run. And when you talk about that financial plan, is that is that kind of a comprehensive look that, okay, hey, you know, what what do we need? What do we want to spend either on a monthly or annual basis? What are our assets going to allow us to do or not do? And how do we get there? How do we bridge that gap? Or if, if there's not a gap, you know, what do we do, you know, to uh, deploy all those assets? Is that kind of an overarching view that, that you've got there? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think I probably said things like this on this podcast before where, you know, planning, you know, no matter what area of life is relatively simple, it, it's understanding where we're the starting point, you know, so let's just take inventory, projecting out in the future what we want our resources to, to do for us, and then simply reverse engineering the, the behavior necessary to drive from point A to point B. And so, Yes, you know it was it was evaluating all of that, and, and that, that's what we guide. That's what a planner does is, is guide guide a client along that path. So, you know, what what about our current state has changed, if anything? What about our future state has changed, if anything? And do we need to do anything differently? And you know, I think there were COVID. You know, you could say this about um, investment markets as well. Last year, in that there were the COVID haves and the COVID have nots. Yeah, and so it really depended on who you were talking to. You know. Some clients were in great shape, depending on the industry that they worked in. Mm-hmm. And some simply weren't. Uh, you know, we, we talked to, you know, I'm sure you've had a lot of business owners that you look back at 2020 and, and, the, and the outcome was their best year ever. Right. Um, you know, I have a client in HR law. And so work at home policies and all of that, she, she, she had her best year ever. Yeah. And, and equally, I have a friend that was an event planner. And uh, there were no events last year. So, right. so that, you know, it was, it was really this bifurcation of the economy, which I think has started to normalize. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the experience for clients was, was vastly different depending on the individual situation. Yeah. And so, so the outcomes were varied and the advice was different, but it, it, we really, really just dug in and, and helped reassess where everybody stood and, and give them some guidance going forward. What do you do? You know, of course, we have a lot of clients that are, you know, essentially owner managed, uh, closely held businesses um, or, you know, largely invested, say, in commercial real estate, if that's their business. But they're not very well, let's say, diversified or they're or they're not liquid in any way. You know, their their entire worth or value is tied up in that entity or entity. So for folks like that, what do you do? Where do you start with a plan? you know, to get them there. It's not as if they're going to turn around and say, you know, create that liquidity overnight, but, but even still, you know, how, how soon do you start getting involved with folks like that? Oh, with, with, with folks like that. I mean, it, it, it depends on exactly where they're at in life. I think in relation to their business, mm-hmm. I, I, we talked about this before, but usually as uh, the seed is planted in their mind about an upcoming liquidity event is really time to start digging in because as they come into that event, as you know, uh, they're, they're tunnel focused on, on preparing their business for sale. Mm-hmm. So everything from quality of earnings to valuations to uh, you know, make, making the company, company attractive to a buyer and getting all of those things in order. And so because it gathers so much of their attention on that one event, it's been my experience that envisioning what life looks like after that liquidity event Oftentimes, they, they haven't spent um, the mental and the emotional energy 
to look at their personal finances then. And there's a lot of planning techniques. I mean, everything from charitable intent to gifting shares of, of the company to, to trust and all these different kinds of things, these, these planning techniques that often need to be addressed before that sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having a, having a long enough runway uh, to begin to plan for that and involve their attorney and, and Rain Associates into that conversation, I, I think is critically important. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, you're right. I mean, a lot of the liquidity, oftentimes 90 or 95% of the net worth is tied up in the, in the business. And so, but, but life changes radically after that. And so trying, you know, we're trying to pull those, those folks into family discussions and, and talk about uh, wealth transfer and what, what they want to accomplish because hundred percent of their, their energy has been devoted to focusing on the business. Right. And those goals can change, right? Too. I mean, it's, it's a living, breathing plan. I mean, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, set in stone. It, it can change quickly, right? Right. Yeah. Well, the, the example I used before where we're trying to get from point A to point B, point B often changes often because life, life drives it. Uh, yeah. CD and, and, and that'll evolve over time. And, you know, I, coming back to COVID, I would say that, that that was one of my observations over, over the past year. And we, we've seen a lot of this in the media and just in, in casual conversation with friends on how priorities shifted. Yep. So, you know, there, there was definitely this sense of more time with family and, and so on. And so, you know, anytime we go through one of these events, um, I think now's a great time to be reassessing. I'm not going to say life priorities. That's up to you. But how, yeah. your, how your financial resources tie into that. Yep. Um, because you know, last year, we weren't able to spend money. Right. <laughs> what do you spend money on Amazon, right? Yeah, um, right. They right? benefited. <laughs> right. And so you know, we've seen cash, cash build up. And I think people found out they could live on a lot less. Now, whether or not they want to going forward, that's a different question. But I think when we come through adversity and challenging times like we did, it's a good time. It's a prompt uh, to sit down and simply reassess where where we're at with everything. And so um, I, I've noticed that clients saying, you know, hey, I, had, I was in my house for 12 months. It's way too big. I'm going to downsize. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the list goes on. It's interesting you say that. I, I like that term that it was a, a prompt. I think it really was for many of us and on a number of fronts. So maybe talk talk about some examples. So then do you sit down and say, okay, if they if they truly want to spend less, let's say each year or uh, their priorities change, you know, you alter that financial plan. Does that does that often lead to, say, changes? In an investment portfolio, uh, per se, or is it? Are, are the changes more subtle? Yeah, good question. Um, probably more subtle. And I, I'm trying to think of a good example here, but you know, a tangible example would be: we knew a lot of people in life that were significantly affected by COVID. I mean, last year was, you know, I, I lived through a couple downturns in in capital markets, and they've they've all been financial. So, you know, even, even 2008, you know, you go back to that time, uh, you know, you can borrow any money from anybody at any price, right? <laughs> right? Uh, but you still went out and had dinner that night. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was different in that the focus was, was on health more than finances. And so, you know, as, as I think as people took inventory of their time, uh, you know, I, I've sensed that uh, in conversation with a lot of clients that it might be accelerating retirement dates. You know, life is short. Ultimately, 
Um, what does that lead to? Probably it leads to an evaluation of, of the, the risk inherent in investment strategies and whether we not need to alter that. Yeah. You know, these, these are the, I suppose, the subtle things, sometimes very real things that come out of conversations um, and they're, they're more qualitative. But, you know, as, as, as a financial planner, as you look at the investment or the, the estate plan, you know, we're, we're reevaluating a lot of estate plans, you know, with the potential of some, some significant tax changes. But uh, yeah, we, we, we're, we're reassessing all of that. But that comes out of a high level conversation mm-hmm. um, in these, these I, call it, I call it the implementation, whether it's an investment program or an education program or charitable giving, whatever it happens to be. That's our job as professionals to really sort through all the details, but it comes from a very high level conversation. So we're, we're pretty attuned to how people are, are feeling. And uh, as, as you get to know, I'm sure this is the same case in your business, as you get to know people over time, you can you can observe changes in their thinking, mm-hmm. even their behavior, and uh, that's often a clue for us to, to probe deeper into what's going on and yeah. have point B shifted to point C. It's interesting you say that, and I'm also curious to know if in your tenure, if you've noticed a change in as we move to each new generation. I know I, I ask this because I have three. 20 somethings and and their philosophy is is in some ways different than mine. You know, they're very much more socially aware or active than I certainly was in, in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do you see that those kinds of things bleeding into investment strategies and investment portfolios or goals for for younger generations? Have, have you witnessed that? Uh yeah, so, somewhat. You know, I I you know, for, for younger generations and even my generation, I, I guess I technically fall into X, uh, you know, there's a lot more um, on, on the social causes uh, about making making sure your capital is supporting uh, the things you care about and as much avoiding the things that, uh, you know, you actively oppose. And so uh, th- there's much more of a, a tangible a touching of of the investments and, and, and seeing seeing the outcome. You see this charitably a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be that you would just give to a central organization that would benefit the community. And now as you, now as you do that, um, it's much more about I want to see my dollars have an impact. Mm-hmm. And so I, we we observe that um, with with our younger clients. They want to play a more active role. They're a lot more hands on. And, you know, there's, you know, I have clients that are not of that generation that say, look, I have better things to do with my time and I trust you and I don't want to touch it. Just let me know what I need to do. Yeah. And so, yes, you're definitely seeing differences in how, how clients approach service professionals. Yeah. Based upon generation, how they pay for those services is, is different. Uh, the, the, the level of interaction um, is also different. Um, you know, you know, younger generation is much more interested in technology, right? In utilizing that, um, and so that that's been an interesting change, I think, in the past year. I'm sure Ray and Associates has probably observed the same thing. Yeah, and what have you seen along those lines in terms of that adoption of of technology? Anything specific that comes to mind that sort of surprised you over the the last couple of years in that regard? You know, it, it surprised me, you know, just like this meeting where you and I have done this before in person. Yeah. You know, we we knew the technology had always existed to, to have a conversation just like this. Um, but I think it was assumed uh, that we we needed to be in person and was sort of the default. 
But, you know, it's often a barrier um, in, in working with your attorney or your accountant or your investment professional in that it takes some time. It takes time to drive, uh, come to a meeting, coordinate spousal and, and, and children's schedules and so on. And so we were, we were aware of that, you know, even, even as recently as five years ago, but we were never forced to adopt it. And, uh, you know, when we had to stay at home, it, it had to happen. And I think what we've all discovered is the efficiency behind it. And so I would say most people have adopted that. Some even prefer that outside of, of the health-related issues of being together in person. Yeah. And so it, it, it's, been, it's been refreshing because, you know, it, what I think what it's done is it's really broken down geographic barriers. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the point where, you know, we have, you know, clients out of state. And so, you know, the dynamic for the dynamic is same here as it is for my client in Chicago or Montana or Arizona. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more connectedness and it's, it's still face to face. So I, I, if I'm surprised by anything, it was, it was the response to technology going forward. And that's just in a, that's just in a meeting, right? Um, yeah. You know, your, your, your technology infrastructure for companies, and we know this, um, is critically important. And so, you know, rather than having a financial plan as a 64-page document, they have to dust off every year and revisit. Now it lives and breathes online and, uh, and we're able to, to interact with a client uh, in live time. They're able to go in and make changes. Well, what if I want to retire a year earlier? How does that impact things? And so there, there's, a, there's an online dynamic, which is pretty efficient. And um, I think it'll be part of everything we do going forward. But to, to the degree that the client uh, wants to do that or meet in person, then we, then we, of course, meet them at that level. Yeah. Now, what about the access to data and information? Obviously, so much is out there, so much more accessible. Is that part of what drives some of this, you know, and, and I'll use a, a loose term, you know, just pseudo investments or or just maybe markets that aren't quite as well established, like when you're talking about cryptocurrency or this, uh, you know, the stuff that happened with GameStop and things like that is, is what, what do you think drives those kinds of behaviors? Is it the psychology? Is it the access to data and information? What in your, I'm just curious as to your professional view on that. Yeah. If I was going to put my finger on it, I, I think it really comes down to the 24 hour news cycle. You know, and so yes, maybe maybe to your point, you know, it's the frequency of information and the fact that we have all of this data, more than the data at our fingertips, the the news around these these stories is led to some interesting outcomes. Um, you know, I have to be careful for compliance reasons about speaking about cryptocurrencies, but you know, take some take something like GameStop. Um, you know, I think it was the market's opinion uh, that it was a twenty dollars stock before all of that happened, and as a result of uh, simply the news stories, everybody everybody piled in, and you know we've we've subsequently seen uh, you know the aftermath of that, of that as well. So you know it, it's different. Um, you know I would say you know bigger picture, it, it's become more challenging in a way. Our, our world has changed both over your career and mine in, in terms of how we consume data, yeah. and the source is so large at this point that the challenge has actually changed to sorting through what's relevant and what's not. And so it's overwhelming. And so, you know, I, I kind of joke sometimes, you can find a lot of the answers of advice that I would give on Google, <laughs> right. Um, right? But you're going to find conflicting opinions. And so <laughs> trying to understand what is actually valuable and what's not, number one, 
And secondly, to have the confidence and courage to execute on that. So it's different between knowing it and having having the experience, you know, when, when the shooting starts, how are you going to react? Yeah. Because, you know, in, in finance, it's it's been my observation over the years that it's much more driven by behavior than intelligence. And yeah. that, that that's that's a primary determinant in your your financial outcomes. And so being able to execute the right decisions and not make one single big mistake that could undermine everything is it's important and it's difficult with all the data that's yeah, out there. That's so very well said. And ultimately that's you know, serving as that as that filter, that professional filter is really uh, so, so valuable. And and that's where, you know, for example, what, what you do, that's in a large part of it is, is kind of filtering out that noise for clients so that they can understand, you know, the approach that it works for them and it's consistently delivered over time and, and they're not, you know, bombarded with, with all these outside influences. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's the value of experience. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same issue, you know, that, uh, you know, we had a 9-11, we had, we had all the data, right? Uh, we just couldn't, we couldn't sort through it efficiently. Yeah. Right. So, so how, how do you, how do you make sense of all of that? And so having lived it, having advised clients that have gone through certain situations, you know, brings, uh, I think brings a lot to the table. Yeah. So well said. And that's, uh, that's why you need to be in front of a professional like, like Mr. Feller here and, and listen to his, uh, his sage wisdom. So very much appreciate that, Doug. And always, always great to have you on and look forward to having you on again sometime soon as well. So thanks. Yeah. Sounds, sounds great. I always enjoy these and, uh, and I think Ray's doing a fantastic job here with this podcast series. Appreciate it. And we'll have to uh, catch up for a, a beer at three tigers here sometime soon. So sounds great. Looking forward to it. All right. And if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.racecpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 